We're going to get into this now in Revelation. If you will turn there in your Bibles, we are looking at the final events of the world. And what we have gotten into last week is we looked at what they are. Um, and so we, we, we studied, first of all, the kingdoms of the earth that were described by Daniel. And Daniel described that the major four major kingdoms of the earth are going, is going to be the Babylonian Empire, the Medes and the Persians, which would overthrow Babylon. And then there would be the Grecian Empire led by Alexander the Great. And his kingdom would be overthrown by Rome. And then Rome would eventually be split into, denoted by the two legs of the statue that Daniel saw. And there would be a government of Rome eventually divided up in regards to the ten toes mixed with iron and clay. And it will be in the days of those kings, which are still to be, still to come, the days of those kings that... Jesus Christ will come back and install his kingdom. And he will collapse, crush all of these world empires. The United States is not mentioned in these world empires. Um, as far as this global power and has to do with the kingdom of God. And then last week we started talking about the, the events of the, uh, of the end. And I listed them out. So just as, as a reference for you, the final events of the world is going to be the rapture of the church. The tribulation period, and which involves the return of Jesus Christ to the earth to set up his kingdom, which is the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ that is going to happen when he returns at the end of the tribulation. And so that is the millennial reign of Christ. Then the eternity of eternities, which is the new heavens and the new earth. And so we're going to come into this and talk about them but what we're looking at right now is the tribulation period. And I wanted to kind of go through some of these events that are going to happen in the earth in the near future. And so I'm going to cover this quickly because I desire to come to an element of the conflict in the tribulation. So we're going to come back and study most of these things again. We're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk scripturally about when the rapture is to occur. And we're going to talk about the tribulation period a little bit more as we study the book of Revelation. But in the book of Revelation, we find the unfolding of what is called the tribulation period. This is also referred to as Jacob's trouble. It is believed to be the final seven years of Daniel's 490 week prophecy. And so in the tribulation. We understand that this begins. With the advent of the Antichrist. The Antichrist comes into the scene. He is revealed. He's riding a white horse. Which kind of symbolizes peace. But he's carrying a bow. Which shows his true intent. Which is to bring war. And so war breaks out on the earth. As a result of war. There is famine. And there is death that happens. And in the very early stages of the tribulation, there is one fourth, one quarter of the earth's population that is killed by the devastations of war, famine, plagues, and the wild beast of the earth. There are those who are going to be martyred for their faith during the tribulation period as well. And they are, they are going to be crying out to God for, for God to avenge their deaths. There's going to be earthquakes in the earth. Massive upheavals and terrible devastation as a result of these earthquakes. 
unusual astronomical phenomena is going to take place early in the tribulation. The sun turns to black. The moon turns to blood red. Very possible as a result of the earthquakes and the volcanoes that are going to erupt. The heavens will recede like a scroll being rolled up. Every mountain and island removed from its place. This is early on in the tribulation period. Very severe. It's an interesting thing to think of the heavens rolling up like a scroll. It's just interesting. Jesus said that there are going to be events in the heaven that cause men's hearts to fail because of fear. Because of things that are going to be going on in the heavens, in the atmosphere. We've never experienced that yet. What Jesus is referring to is somewhat strange to us because we have not experienced that. But I could only imagine the heavens rolling up like a scroll. Try to picture that. It's very hard for you to do it. I would imagine that would cause grown men to die right on the spot out of fear. And I, I, I do not understand or know exactly how that is going to happen and what that is going to look like. But I do find it very interesting to consider that there is, you know, capability now for nations to send nuclear warheads up into space. And now we are supposedly dealing with some type of Russian threat where Russia is going to uh, set nuclear uh, devices off in, in, in outer space to destroy our satellites and things of that nature. Now they're talking about nuclear war in outer space. What kind of effect would that have on our atmosphere? Um, you know, just the possibilities of these things. I, I just think it's so interesting to think about it and, and to talk about it. But as far as the truth is, something is going to happen. And what that actually is, it's very hard for us to understand right now. The seventh seal is the beginning of the trumpet judgments. The trumpet judgments will increase in the tribulation on the earth. They will become more severe. Um, the plagues are worse. If, if, if one quarter of the people on the earth dying is not enough, if earthquakes are not enough, if the heavens rolling up like a scroll are not enough, then it only gets worse. With the trumpet judgments, we find that one third of the world's trees are going to be burned up with a plague and the grass is also consumed. This is going to be a plague where hail and fire are mixed with blood and they rain upon the earth. Pretty severe. That's something we've never experienced before. Um, there's going to be a huge mountain, perhaps a meteorite, that is on fire and it's thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turns to blood. A third of the ships that are in the sea sink and a third of ocean life dies. Another great star. A blazing ball of fire is going to fall from the sky and poison one third of the water supply. This is called wormwood. There will be changes further in the heavens, more changes in the heavens. A third of the sun is going to be struck with darkness. A third of the moon with darkness. A third of the stars so that a third of them are turned dark. There will be a third of the day without light. And a third of the night. There will be a terrifying plague of demonic locusts. We read this last week and talked about it. 
But a demonic plague of locusts that come upon the earth. They're released from the bottomless pit. This is where they are right now. And they're going to be released from the bottomless pit. They're going to go through the earth and torture men for five months. Men will not be able to escape this torture. They will desire to die. They will even seek to die. But they will be unable to die for death will flee from them. This plague begins with a star falling from heaven. The star is personified. It's called a he and he's carrying a key. And so it's very likely that this could be an angel falling from heaven or falling from the skies to open up this pit. And so the locusts that come out on the earth do not touch plant life or vegetation, which is unusual for locusts. They head straight for the people of the earth and begin to torment the men. The locusts are not allowed to kill anyone. They're only allowed to torture the men on the earth for five months. These demonic locusts have a king over them. The name of this king is Abaddon or Apollyon, which means the destroyer. The locusts look like horses prepared for battle. They wear crowns of gold. They have faces that are human-like. They have hair like women and teeth like lions. They have iron breastplates. They have wings that sounds like thunder. The sound of horses and chariots when they're rushing forth into battle. There's another onslaught of a demonic horde that comes into the earth. Different from this. Four angels that are right now being held in captivity under the Euphrates River are going to be released from their captivity during this time in tribulation. It will be the sounding of the sixth trumpet. And these four angels are going to be released. They will bring destruction upon the earth during the tribulation. These four angels lead a supernatural cavalry of approximately 200 million. And they kill a third part of humanity. These riders have breastplates of fiery red, dark blue, and yellow. The horses have heads of lions. And their mouths issue out fire and smoke and sulfur. And their, ti- their tails are like the tails of snakes. They kill with their mouths and with their tails. And the testimony of Revelation is, after all of this, the survivors on earth refuse to repent. And continue their idolatry, their murder, their witchcraft, their sexual immorality, and their theft. Knowing they know this is the wrath of God. They're not wondering what's happening. God is judging them for their rebellion. And they refuse to repent. The seventh trumpet sounds which calls for an end of time. It is all going to come crashing to its end. The seventh trumpet introduces the seven bowls of wrath. These are the called oftentimes God's great wrath that is poured out upon the earth. This comes with the opening or the sounding of the seventh trumpet. We understand through the book of Revelation, even up to this time, that many people will come to Jesus during the tribulation. And they will also be slain for their faith in Jesus Christ. Many will be beheaded. Others will be tortured and killed. 
Executions all over the earth will be massive. The wrath of God will be poured out upon the earth. Sores upon men. The sea turned to blood. Rivers turned to blood. Scorching heat. Earthquakes. Hail weighing about 114 pounds. We had a little hailstone a couple of, about a week ago last Sunday. And it was maybe like a quarter dollar or half a dollar size. Imagine 114 pounds of hail falling to the earth. Um, Satan is thrown to the earth from the air. He is no longer allowed to be in the heavens. And he is confined to the earth. He knows his time is short. More of the population is going to pass away through this. So the bowls of wrath. Um, it, it's symbolized as a bowl because it's just like it's poured out. And it, and it comes out quickly upon the earth. And so these are some of the bowls that are going to happen. Or the judgments that are going to happen. And we're going to come back later and study some of this in more detail. But there's going to be a breaking out upon people of an ugly festering sore. Upon all of those who take the mark of the beast and worship his image. So there's going to be the image of the beast. There's going to be those who take his mark on their forehead or their hand in order to buy and sell. This is an unforgivable sin. Whoever takes the mark of the beast will never be given the opportunity to repent or to be redeemed. This is tragic because they will also not be able to buy or sell during that time. Without that mark, you will not be able to. I can, you can only imagine the type of distress, even from that, people are going to be in. In this bowl of wrath, every living thing in the sea dies. It's already been turned to blood. The oceans are now dead. The rivers and freshwater springs also turn to blood. And you know what they say in heaven as a result of all of this? I can only imagine what earth would say. I can only imagine what people would say. Accuse God. How could God be good? How could he be loving? How could all of these things happen? But in heaven, this is what is recorded when God is doing this. This is what they say to God. You are just in these judgments, O holy one. You who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. And you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Around the altar in heaven. Their response. Yes, Lord God Almighty. True and just are your judgments. Not one person, not one being, not one angel is in heaven is saying, God, it's enough. It's enough. Everything is applauding God for his justice and his goodness. That is an amazing thing. Because I believe even now, when Christians read this, they get offended with God. But in heaven, they celebrate God. The judgments continue. The sun is going to scorch people with fire on the earth. This could be the result of the atmospheres rolling up like a scroll. The people on the earth are going to be seared with intense heat. Their homes are already going to be destroyed. And they will be living in caves and dens and the holes of the earth. That's back in Revelation chapter 6. The sun will scorch the people. The people will refuse to repent. And the wicked of the earth will curse the name of God. 
who had control over these plagues. And all the while they're cursing God, they refuse to repent and they refuse to glorify God. Therefore, the kingdom of the beast, the Antichrist, is plunged into great darkness. The pain and the suffering of the wicked intensify so much that people in agony walk through their days gnawing on their tongues because of the severe pain that they're in. The Euphrates River dries up, allowing for the kings of the east to make their way to their own destruction at a battle that is soon approaching called Armageddon. During this time, three unclean spirits that look like frogs come out of the mouth of Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet, a frog out of each mouth. They go through the earth and they deceive the kings of the earth and compel them to move their armies to the valley of Megiddo in Israel in an attempt to completely annihilate the Jewish people. The Jewish people are under the greatest threat that they've ever faced in their life. These demons perform miracles to deceive the kings of the earth and gather them to the final battle, which is also called the day of the Lord. Under demonic influence, the kings of the earth gather to the place that is called in the Hebrew Armageddon. The atmosphere begins to respond to this with flashes of lightning and an earthquake now so severe that the one previous in the tribulation period pales in comparison. This earthquake is so severe, nothing ever like it has ever occurred since the beginning of mankind. Jerusalem is split into three parts and the cities of the world literally collapse as a result of this earthquake. The whole earth convulses in this. The islands are flooded and the mountains disappear. These great hailstones weighing over a hundred pounds fall upon the world and the people. And the people continue to curse God on account of the plague of hail. Because the plague was so terrible. Where can you possibly escape? And so this is a tragic, tragic scene without, without a doubt. God does not delight in it. It is not God's desire to pour his wrath out. It is God's desire to show mercy. But because men do not repent and they do not turn to God and glorify God and abandon their sin. Then God continues to pour this wrath out upon the earth. The culmination of all of this is now the kings of the earth have gathered to Jerusalem in the valley of Megiddo or Armageddon. Napoleon Bonaparte said this is the most perfect battlefield on earth. And the nations of the earth are going to be gathered there. And Israel has no hope. Israel is doomed. Israel has no power in herself to save herself. Israel realizes this. And Israel, for the first time and the last time, is finally broken spiritually. Israel begins to wail for God's help. Israel begins to turn to the God of her fathers, crying out for Yahweh to come to her deliverance. And suddenly, when no hope was in sight, coming from heaven, the true Prince of Peace, riding up on a white horse, the armies of heaven following him, tens of thousands of thousands of his saints coming with him, rescues Israel. And they look upon him who they pierced 
2,000 years earlier and realized that Jesus of Nazareth was our Messiah. And they believe in him. And they are saved. They are saved with God. There is peace. They are saved from their destruction. They are saved from the nations of the world. And a sword comes out of Jesus' mouth. And destroys the enemies of Israel. The Antichrist and the false prophet. Are bound immediately and thrown into the lake of fire. Satan is taken and and he is chained with a great chain. And he is thrown into the bottomless pit. Jesus sets up his kingdom. He takes the nations of the earth. And he puts the the goat nations on his left. And he puts the, the, the lamb nations, the sheep nations on his right. And he identifies them. You are the ones that never came to my help. You are the ones that visited me. You cared for me, you clothed me, you fed me. And Jesus will allow these kingdoms to go on into his millennial reign where these kingdoms and their kings will continue in civilization under the rulership of Jesus Christ. He will reign the entire earth with a rod of iron. There will be peace in the earth for the first time. There will be a sense of the curse lifting from the earth as we know it today. We will be ruling and reigning with Jesus in our glorified bodies. And there will be natural humans on the earth. Marrying and having children throughout the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. At the end of that thousand year reign. Satan is going to be released from the bottomless pit. He is going to be unchained and unfettered. He's going to go through the earth. And the Bible says that he will... Collect an army of men that is comparable to the dust of the earth or the sand of the sea. They are going to march upon Jerusalem against Jesus Christ. We do not know how long of a period of time this is. The Bible does not tell us. But that is after the thousand year reign of Christ. This is sometimes referred to as the battle of Gog and Magog. And At that moment, the Ancient of Days, God the Father is also going to rise up from his throne and put an absolute end to all rebellion. Satan and those that have joined him and put themselves in league with him are going to be completely done away with. The earth and the heavens are actually going to flee away. Because now everything is being set up for the great white throne judgment of God. The dead will be called up from their prison in hell. Where they are there now awaiting judgment. Every dead person outside of Jesus Christ will come and stand before God at the great white throne judgment. Which signifies the fullness of his wrath. Nobody at that judgment will be pardoned. Nobody at that judgment will enter into the kingdom of God. Nobody at that judgment is saved or will be saved. Everyone in that judgment along with death and hell. Will be thrown into the second death. Which is the lake of fire. And there they will be forever and ever and ever and ever. 
And that will be the end of the judgment. After that judgment, John saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the heavenly Jerusalem moved out of heaven and it moved to earth and God tabernacled with men. And that launches us into what we call the eternal age under the kingship of Jesus Christ. Into a future where there is no rebellion, no sin, no transgressions, no death, no tears, no sorrow, no pain. For it is all done away and he has made all things new. These are the events that are coming. And I wanted you to have an overview of them. These serious events that are soon to take place on the earth in the tribulation period should cause every one of us to be very evangelistic. We should desire to see as many people as we can come to Jesus Christ. We should not be afraid of offending because if the rapture were were happening to be soon and your friends were to live in that tribulation period, they will probably be more offended at you then for not telling them than maybe now for telling them. I want to go back in Revelation during the tribulation period to chapter 13. And I want to just talk about the conflict. This conflict is not new. It has been raging since the actually before the fall of man. It has been raging. This is a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of hell. In Revelation 13 verse 1. And I stood up on the sand of the sea and saw a a beast rise up out of the sea. This is the Antichrist. Having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns. And we're going to come back later and look at this. And upon his heads the the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of the bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. And so a lot of talk is made about the Antichrist, and rightly so. But I believe it's important for us to understand where the real conflict is. And it's with the one who gives the Antichrist his great authority and his power and his seat are his throne. And that is the dragon. And in chapter 12, verse 9, the dragon is identified. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. And so the power that is raging in the earth, deceiving men and kings and causing men to practice their witchcrafts and rebel against God is Satan. And it is Satan that gives the Antichrist his power and causes him to be able to work these miracles and these wonders through the false prophet among the people. This battle has been raging all the way back up into some point in heaven. When Satan would seek to cause himself to rise above God and be able to dethrone God and take the throne for himself. And Jesus said that it was at that point Satan was thrown out of heaven quickly like lightning. He was excommunicated from heaven. I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 28. 
I want us to just look at a little bit of this nature of the enemy. In Ezekiel 28, there's a description of, of Satan here in verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, you seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's Lucifer, which has a reference to light. He appears as an angel of light. He tries to be more like God than not like God. He's beautiful. He wants you to think he's ugly. He portrays himself as ugly in media and entertainment and folklore because he wants you to think he's ugly because he's beautiful. And he comes to you beautifully. He's your greatest friend, he would make you think. He's your true helper. He's the one that's really going to help you. And that's how he deceives so many people. You have been in the Eden. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And they named the stones that are there. The workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes was prepared in you at the day that you were created. There are musical instruments created in him. Satan, Lucifer, is... An incredible musician. He is not just a musician. He is a worship leader. Possibly. One of the ways. He was to gain influence over the third of the angels in heaven. Was his ability to manipulate them through music. And through worship. Satan understands the relevance of this. All you have to do is look at Satan's worship services and you will see how he inspires the people and what he demands from the people. He does this because he mimics what God had established in heaven. But anywhere you go to Satan's worship services, you're going to find energy and activity. You're going to find people congregate at his altar. You're going to find people jumping up and down, shouting, singing with all of their might, sweating. Hours, they don't care. They don't want it to end. There's a picture in the Old Testament when, when the, the king established an image and it, it was, there, was a, there was the command, when you hear the sound of the music, Bow down and worship it. Three men refused to bow and worship. Satan could not tolerate that. I want everyone to bow and worship me. If you don't, I will kill you. That's Satan. God, however, wants you to worship him because you love him. He does not demand it of you. He will not kill you if you don't. But Satan has deceived so much of Christianity into passionless worship. 
and response to God. Satan would never allow it. He wants his music to be exciting, relevant, cultural. He wants your music to lack meaning and purpose and enthusiasm and passion. You come sit at your seat and mouth the words. Don't get into it. That is improper. And he's taken the life out of the church because he knows that if you get excited about God and you worship God from your spirit and from your heart and God begins to commune with you in that worship, everything's over for his kingdom. The culture's done in Baton Rouge if God can get a hold of us through worship. And Satan won't let that happen. And so he keeps you from worshiping God. He is not about to let you in an altar to worship God. He's not about to let you lift your hand and just really shout to God. No, look, compose yourself. Have respect and dignity. That's the way you come before God. That's not the way they come before God in heaven. It's not the way they worship God in the Old Testament. That's not the way the apostles worship God. But that's the way America worships God. And it's wrong. It's fundamentally wrong because Satan knows this. He goes in verse 14 and he says, you are, the cover, you are the anointed cherub that covers. And I have set you so. You are upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Uh, the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as a profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness, your light. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities. By the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of it. Of you. It shall devour you. And I will bring you to ashes upon the earth. In the sight of all them that behold you. And all they that know you among the people. Will be astonished at you. You shall be a terror. And never shall you be any more. And this is the word of the Lord. About Satan. In Isaiah chapter 14. Just a little bit more information about him because this is the contest. This is the one who gives Antichrist power. And so this is one of the ways we can understand how the Antichrist is going to function. He's going to be beautiful. He's going to be beautiful. He's going to speak incredible things. He's going to be so appealing to the world. In verse 12, he says, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And they that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you say, is this the man? That made the earth to tremble and to shake kingdoms. You're going to be shocked because Satan made you to believe he was something that he's not. And when you see what he really is, you're going to be, oh, my gosh. This is the man. I think in a lot of that, you're going to be very surprised how he influenced you. 
how he influenced me our whole life. How he influenced our, our worship, our life, our love, our service, our devotion to Jesus Christ. I think we're going to be somewhat shocked. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that Satan is the God of this age. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that he is the prince of the power of the air. In Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 6, it describes that Satan has set up a kingdom with authorities and powers. He is referred to as the dragon in Revelation and the serpent and Satan. His attack is in the form of a devil, a dragon, a wolf in sheep's clothing, a lion, cunning, light. His weapons are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In the media, he is Satan, the accuser. If you could suddenly stand back and objectively look at your mind and see how much the media has fed into your mind and how you have become more or less a creature influenced by media, you would be shocked and spend days Renewing your mind in Christ. Because Satan is working through the media. There he accuses and condemns everybody. There he exposes everybody. There he slanders and destroys people's reputations through the media. Don't worry about these men who own these huge corporations. Satan is behind the media. The entertainment is coming. In the school system, he's the dragon. In the government, he's the dragon. He's ruthless. It is here where he explains the efforts of the media to control your thinking and to create a society, a government, a rule of law, a culture. That agrees with his mind. And in in the advertisement world. The entertainment world. He is the serpent. He's sly and sneaky. And sometimes friendly. Brilliant. Brilliant. Through the advertisement and entertainment world. Of packaging the propaganda of the media. And the education of the schools and the government. He makes it look attractive. He causes the celebrities to buy into it and puts it on his billboards. Making sex, alcohol, drugs, rebellion, money, pleasure look so good and so right. And the whole time he's destroying. But Jesus took a cross up to Calvary. And exposed this liar. And put an end to his kingdom. And open the doors for millions of people to become free. Free from his lies. Free from his bondage. Free from his thinking. Free from self. Power over the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. Jesus Christ by his grace and his power is the one who dethroned him if you will. Destroyed him. Made an open spectacle of him in his cross. Jesus did that. He dethroned hate with love. He dethroned wrath with mercy. He dethroned the shame with holiness. 
He dethroned despair with hope. He dethroned fear with love. Through his cross, he gave men the power to be free from the world that Satan possesses. And that is doomed to the wrath of God. Jesus Christ has done that to make people free. What is a parent to do if a parent does not realize Satan, the dragon, and the serpent? Every day we allow our lives, our families, our friends, our children to sit in Satan's schools. To watch Satan's entertainment. And even us to listen to Satan's propaganda. Change our culture. We hardly go to church. We hardly talk to our children about God. We hardly sit down and read our Bibles and know the word. Rarely will you find a parent or a family sitting down teaching their children doctrine. We get tired and say, why go to church on Wednesday nights? I'm tired. I'm just going to stay home. Why go back to a prayer meeting on Sunday night? I can pray at home. Somebody must wake up and realize the battles being lost on our streets. Whatever our attitude is, we cannot put God in some place of priority. He is it. He is it. He has destroyed the power of hell, destroyed the power of Satan, and gives us the power over him. We cannot take that grace for granted and think that we're going to be okay. But yet so many people today live like Lot, and they live for economic reasons and economic benefits, and we look where we can sow and have good crops and good harvest and good money and good retirement and vex our souls all the way to heaven. And maybe lose our wives and our children in the process like Lot did. I I say reverse that trend. And put God back where he belongs. Put this king who alone has the power to defend you against Satan. Who alone has the spirit to give you. That will expose Satan's lies and his corruptions. And give you the light for your feet. and And the lamp for your feet and the light for your path. How to walk and navigate through this world. He'll give you a love for his word, a love for his spirit, and a love for his presence. And you will see health and thriving come back into your life. And numbers of Christians will not live in the kind of fear and oppression that they do these days. Because you will walk with he who is true. And you will quickly understand the lies of that enemy. Who is alive and well in this earth. And continues to deceive. That's all I have time for today. Father, I pray that you would help us to believe in the power of Jesus Christ, but in the relevance also of our enemy. Let us believe what your word says about him and not take him for granted, not leave our children as prey to this enemy. And Father, not allow the devil to seduce us in the type of Christianity he wants us to live. But he does it, God. Very few people who are truly Christian live by your spirit. Very few people who are truly Christians pray in the Holy Ghost, live in the Holy Ghost, worship in the Holy Ghost, walk in the Holy Ghost. We have moments of that. But God, please let us walk under your influence and not the enemy's. 
Let Jesus be exalted and lifted up in this hour. Let us be a part of your end time harvest which is happening in the earth now and is coming more. Let us move with you God and not be distracted by the wills and the demands and the complacency of a modern Christianity that's watching its culture. Go to hell when you can redeem it. Pray that you help us in Jesus' name. Amen.